We're diving deep into Cardinals baseball with World Series champion Brad Thompson on the Redbird Report podcast on 101 ESPN, driven by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome into the Redbird Report, brought to you by 101 ESPN. I'm Brad Thompson. I'm your host, and this is our first off-season edition, a way too early off-season for the Cardinals as the postseason has begun and the Cardinals are watching from home. You guys have been watching all season long. You've been listening all season long, and thank you very much for that. We all know how it went. The Cardinals ended up finishing this season 71-91. and I did the math. That's 20 games under 500. They ended up 21 games back of the first-place Brewers, five games back of the fourth-place Pirates. That's one that shocks me a little bit. I know the Pirates started off pretty hot. It is the first last-place finish and the worst season that the Cardinals have had since 1990. As you all know, it also snapped a 15-season streak of being over 500. The last time that the Cardinals were under 500 was 2007. I remember that year quite well because I started 20 games that year. Are the two things correlated? Probably not. I mean, I mean, chances are no, right? right? Anyways, anyways, not a good year. Not a good year. It was tied for the fifth worst record in Major League Baseball. Only the Rockies had a worse record in the NL. They were also tied with the Nationals. And the Birds really dug themselves a hole early on. We were all excited when the Blue Jays came in for the opener, you know, as tradition has it when Toronto comes to St. Louis for the season opener. That new balance schedule, a little interesting, did not do the Cardinals any favor this year, although they didn't do themselves any favors due to the fact that they didn't have uh, enough pitching. We'll get into all of the things, but only one team in the division actually did the Cardinals have a winning record against. That was the Reds, who were actually knocking at the door for a postseason spot. But anyways, going back to the hole they dug early on, we were all excited about two out of three against Toronto. And then the Braves came into town and you looked at them and said, boy, that's that's what it's supposed to look like right there. That is a real team. And then they were treading water for most of the month until late in the month. Remember, they had that long West Coast road trip. It was Seattle, San Fran and L.A., Boy, was that a nightmare. The Cardinals ended up going 2-8 and eight on that trip. Then they got home and dropped five in a row before ultimately winning the Sunday game against Detroit and heading out on the road. But what I'm saying is it was an uphill battle all season long for the Cardinals, and unfortunately they did not have the firepower to get out of it. The Birds had two winning months on the season. They ended up having a May where they went 15 and 13, a July where they went 14 and 13, but that was about it for them. And we all knew what this season was going to look like, or at least how it was going to end up as they shipped off a ton of pieces at the trade deadline, which was the right thing to do, by the way. The Cardinals were in a big hole. There was no reason to add to this ball club. They would have only just delayed the inevitable and not allowed you to get pieces back in return for some of the assets that that you shipped out. So Hennessy Cabrera was shipped off. Jordan Hicks, Paul DeYoung ended up getting dealt. You had Montgomery, who we just saw deal in game one of the postseason for the Rangers. He gets shipped off. Jack Flaherty ends up going to Baltimore. So, look, you're waving the white flag at that point. So the thought of the second half of the season being a great one, boy, that wasn't going to happen. Then you couple that with all the injuries that you had. You look at the IL at the end of the year, and I won't hit everybody, but no Contreras. You had no Carlson, no O'Neal, no Arenado. 
Arenado, no Brendan Donovan, like no Nolan Gorman, who ended up being your home run leader. Maybe we'll get into some of our leaders here in a second. But, I mean, you weren't going to win baseball games like that. You were a club that was set up to win offensively, and down the stretch you didn't have a lot of your offensive weapons. You were going to struggle. The Cardinals did, again, ultimately 71-91. and 91. And is there a silver lining? Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe the Cardinals will be drafting in a way higher slot than they normally draft. I have a lot of faith in Randy Flores and his crew over there that they will get the best talent that they possibly can. Be picking high not only in the first round, but every round after that. And uh, look, they've done really well in the draft. You look back at just the 2020 draft. Well, that produced Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, Tink Hens, Alec Burleson. So you got to have a little faith that that process is going to play out because I truly do believe that ends up being the lifeblood uh, it's not just free agency. This year is going to be free, free agency. You're going to have to salvage what you have. You're going to go add from beyond. And as we've talked about during the podcast, uh, we will continue to talk about how this team gets better. There's going to be so much for us to be able to break down during the season. But the lifeblood of the organization, I truly do believe any good organization, is drafting and developing bringing your stars in from high school, from college, from international free agency, and then they are cost-controlled items so you can go out and spend on the other stuff to round out your roster. I mentioned getting into some potentially of our team leaders. We could do that quickly, a few things. There's not too many things to write home about on the season. One, I don't think that too many would have had this. When you're just looking at offense and you're looking at average, and we'll just do qualified players, or at least let's do a minimum of 400 plate appearances, okay? Because your average leader under that would be Donovan. Donovan hit 284, which, by the way, that dude is going to be so important to what the Cardinals are doing moving forward. Unfortunately, lost him to an elbow issue. But I don't think that anybody saw this one coming. With over 400 uh, plate appearances, Jordan Walker, Jordan Walker, the 21-year-old, is your average leader at 276. Now, you can look at the number 276 and say, boy, that's your that's your average leader right there. Yeah, it is. By the way, on that note, really quick, do you know how many hitters in Major League Baseball hit 300 or above this year, both AL and NL? Any idea? Nine. Nine is the answer. It's crazy. I know that average isn't everything that it used to be. I still feel like it's a valuable tool, okay, to, to gauge, I don't know, how often you get a hit. I know there's other things. I know there's ISO, and there's uh, you, you, you're looking at the slug, and you want on-base percentage, and you want hard hit rates, and you want exit velocity. But to have only nine guys in all of baseball hitting 300 or above, to me, is a little bit of a shocking number. There are a lot of things. Things that go into it. Certainly the pitching is way better than it ever has been before, but a little bit shocking, and I'm happy for Jordan Walker to have made the strides that he made in this season. Jordan Walker finished out his rookie campaign hitting 276, 342, 445. That's his slash line. That's good for a 787 OPS for a 114 OPS plus. And just a reminder, when you're hearing OPS plus or any of these stats that have a plus, 
realize that 100 is average. If you see one of those stats, and then anything above that is the percentile better than the average. So 114, that means he's 14% better than the average when it comes to OPS. Pretty good season for a kid that was 21 years old. Ended up with 16 homers, 19 doubles, a pair of triples, and drove in 51 on the season. And we'll dive deeper into some of the young guys, but just wanted to give you his line. And, again, we'll talk about him more. We'll talk about Win more. talk about some different young guys throughout this offseason that we really look forward to seeing in 2024. How about your home run leader? Well, this one I think is a little bit surprising, not because we didn't know that he had big-time power, but because you had Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt on this team. It was not those guys. Those guys finished second and third to Nolan Gorman. Nolan Gorman had 27 homers on this season, and as you all know, he missed time at the end of the year. Not bad for a 23-year-old, right? We saw him make some big adjustments in the offseason, changed the way that his swing path was, the ability to get to the fastball up in the zone more. Still didn't crush that pitch, but he did a good job of fouling it off and giving himself a chance. Cut his strikeout rate a little bit by about a percent which is, you know, not nothing. Still higher than you would like overall at 31.9%. But for what he is, a big-time slugger, you're okay with the strikeouts. He is a three-true-outcome guy you can handle having that in your lineup. Also bumped up his walk rate by nearly 3%. You love seeing that. Your RBI leader on this season, Nolan Arenado. Not a shock, necessarily, that Nolan is the guy. So he hit 93, drove 93 runs in. And the surprising thing with Nolan being the leader is he had an abysmal, an abysmal first month, and then he ended up missing time at the end of the season. So you think about if he had just a decent first month and was healthy, he's eclipsing that 100 RBI milestone yet again and likely would have hit over 30 home runs had he not had those struggles. Again, he comes in with 26 on the season. On base percentage, on base is life. I learned that in Moneyball. Lars Newtbar is life then because he led the club 367 clip when it comes to the on-base percentage. Um, I like the look of Lars Newtbar off the top. I think that Newt is a good leadoff hitter. He is very selective. He's got one of the lowest swing rates in all of baseball. And he has that ability to combat one of the most dangerous pitches in baseball right now. That's that fastball up in the zone. Everybody wants to ride that four seam up there. A lot of guys swing their natural path. Don't allow them to get to that pitch. A lot like we were just talking about two seconds ago with Gorman last year. His path, he would just cut up on it, would never catch up to that. Newt, man, he's got such a flat level stroke at the top of the zone. He crushes fastballs. Actually, one of the best fastball hitters in the game of baseball. He was top two or three in the game. So pretty impressive uh, what Newt was able to do. You know that there's going to be some more power there for him. The big key for him, and look, for everybody, is staying healthy. On a pitching side, your wins leader had nine of them. I get it. The win is not a big thing unless you want to talk about Adam Wainwright, which we are going to talk about in a minute because we've done too much negative stuff. We want to talk about the send-off of Waino, and we have the whole offseason to get into all the negative stuff. But your wins leader, Miles Michaelis, with nine of them and a great finish to the season for Miles Michaelis as he eclipses the 200 innings pitch mark yet again. That's the third time in his career, and it was the second consecutive season that he was able to do that. That's a big deal. 35 starts for him, a guy that could take the ball, that can eat up innings is incredibly valuable. 
Now, when it comes to starters ERA, your lowest ERA from a starter this year for the Cardinals was Jordan Montgomery, who you just saw pitching in the postseason for a different team. Then it was Steven Matz. Matz had a 3.86. You saw him on the shelf. He was on the IL for a bit of the season. Unfortunate because he started to throw the ball very, very well. His little stint in the bullpen had helped him out, and it seemed like he was more aggressive. Well, unfortunately, he lost the, his season injury, fingers crossed, for a big year for him. Um, overall, starters ERA struggled. It was not where they needed to be, and as we all know, that's where the club is going to have to put a bunch of their assets in 2024 because the group just has to be better. If this starting staff is not better, this team will not win. It's as simple as that. When it comes to saves leader, that's still going to be Ryan Helsley. He had 14 of those. Giovanni Gallegos ended up having 10. Cardinals not great in those save situations overall as a team. They ended up with a 56.3% save percentage. That was tied for the sixth worst in baseball. So obviously there are some things that the Cardinals want to be able to clean up when it comes to, well, a little bit of everything when it comes to their 2023 season. And we're going to get into all of those things throughout the offseason. I do want to get into Ali Marmel. I want to get into the fact that he was given the vote of confidence. Do you guys think that is the right thing? Do you believe in Ollie? Do you believe in his messaging? That'll be coming up in a podcast very soon. I want to get into the starting pitchers, the starting pitching market, free agency, all of the young guys, possibly some trade acquisitions that we can uh, unscour. Maybe we'll make a deal before the Cardinals actually make a deal. It's always fun when we have no idea what's actually going on to make all these easy trades, all of these hypotheticals. But I did want to hit on a positive thing in this first podcast because there are first off-season podcasts because there have not been too many positive things. How about the send-off of Adam Wainwright? We all know this season did not go as Adam Wainwright wanted it to go, he was on a pursuit, first of all, to win, but he was also on a pursuit for 200 wins all season long, and boy, did it look like Adam was not going to be able to get there. On the season, Adam started 21 games. He had an ERA north of seven. I mean, this was not what he was hoping for, but through determination, through gut, through guile, through amazing performances down the stretch, he beat Baltimore for 199, and then he was able to, at home against the Brewers, go seven shutout innings to get career victory number 200. He left it all out on the field. Seriously, it was like a movie. It was like watching for the love of the game. Instead of Kevin Costner, it was Adam Wainwright. There could not have been a better ending to his pitching career than that, in my opinion, outside of winning a World Series yet again. You had Bush Stadium screaming his name, chanting, Wayno, Wayno, Wayno. He comes out afterwards. He addresses the crowd. He talks about the fans. He talks about his family. There's tears. He's emotional. It was amazing. So number 200, he got it. Only three Cardinals ever to reach that milestone. It's Bob Gibson, Jesse Haynes, and now Adam Wainwright, who are your top three, have been your top three, but the only three that have 200 wins with the Cardinals organization. And then the send-off over the weekend against the Cincinnati Reds. Each day there was a giveaway at the ballpark for Adam Wainwright. The fans, you guys showed up to show your love and show your respect, because I know you didn't show up 
to watch the Cardinals battle it out simply against the Cincinnati Reds as the Cardinals were trying to play the role of spoiler. Ultimately did do that. So did the Miami Marlins to keep Cincinnati out, out of the postseason. But on Friday... Adam Wainwright in a blowout, and boy, thank goodness that Ollie had this one to go to. He comes in and gets a pinch hit at bat. They're playing his song. It's the song of the South. Everybody goes nuts. He's tipping his cap. He fouls off the first fastball he sees. I'm pretty sure that he was his own chiropractor after that one because he swung hard. Adam talked about it before. He said, I'm not trying to hit a single out there. He was trying to go yard just like he did in his first major league at bat on the first pitch he saw against the lefty Noah Lowry in San Francisco back in May of 2006. Unfortunately, this at-bat didn't end that way. It ended up with a ground ball to shortstop. Now, back in 2006, we'd just say he hit a ground ball to short. But in 2023, I can tell you that he hit a 102.1 mile-per-hour rocket to second base and then ultimately still grounded out. The second game of the series, Saturday against the Reds. First of all, the Cardinals come out and put a beating on Cincinnati. 11 runs in the first three innings. Now the offense stopped there. It's all they ended up needing. And this was Adam Wainwright concert night after the game. Set to perform three songs. I don't know about you guys. I didn't know what exactly to expect. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know if it was going to look like an actual concert or just look like Adam just got up and started playing the guitar and people with like a smattering of claps. Holy crap. This was awesome. The, the lights, the sounds, Adam coming in on the pickup truck. He climbs the center field wall, goes out there. He's got his band, and he plays three songs. It was such a surreal thing and a total rock star moment for Adam Wainwright. And honestly, like I'm not sure if that plays in too many other places other than St. Louis, but we all love Wayno, love the fact that he's got another venture or two after baseball and are digging it. It was such a cool thing. Uh, he rocked it, first of all. The songs were great, well-written. He can sing. He can play the guitar. He didn't forget any words. He was a little bit worried about that. It was such a cool moment to see that. And again, something I don't think that I'll ever see again in the game of baseball. First of all, I don't think that we're going to see anybody ever again win 200 games with one team. I don't think so. The win is not valued as it has been valued in the past. Guys don't pitch as deep into ball games, and guys simply don't stay with teams as long as Adam stayed with the Cardinals. I really think that that is history that we won't see again. And the, the idea of somebody playing a huge concert after they are retiring is it just doesn't happen. So a neat, neat moment. And then finally on Sunday, it was the ceremony to – honor Adam Wainwright and his career. Man, they nailed it. They nailed it. It was a really good ceremony. John Rooney did a fantastic job of emceeing it, but you heard from Bill DeWitt III. You heard from Mo. You heard from Albert Pujols. You heard from uh, Bill DeWitt Jr. You heard from Chris Carpenter, who was very emotional, talking about Adam Wainwright and the impact that Adam had on his life. 
it was just everything about it was perfect. And then what was great, a couple things. One, you guys all know that Adam has been telling his family for years that they can get a dog. Well, they got a dog. The Cardinals surprised them, and Jenny surprised them with the dog and surprised the kids. The dog's adorable. Its name is Louie. That is perfect. And then the other part that got me, it obviously got Wayno. He knew that Albert was there because he had talked to Albert a little bit before. He did not know that Yadier Molina was there. And Yadi and Albert end up coming out of the dugout together. And you can see Adam just kind of break down a little bit. He gets emotional. I mean, that's his brother. They've been playing together for the past 20 years. And it was cool to see him come out and be a part of such a special occasion. And then he was a Yachty was a part of it again at the end of the game or near the end of the game as he was shown on TV holding up a sign that says, I want to see Wayno bat. And Wayno did bat. Adam Wainwright in his final major league at bat gave it a valiant effort. He came out to his own song this time, his song that he wrote about Cardinal Nation, which was really neat. The fans went wild, a great ovation, tons of respect on the other side by the Reds. Ended up at the end of it, he struck out, didn't matter. Curtain call, everybody wanted to just show their love and respect for Adam Wainwright. Guys, we have been so fortunate over the past couple of decades of having guys like Adam Wainwright and having Yadier Molina and having Chris Carpenter and having Albert Pujols and how special was it last year that Albert was able to come back. It is going to be very weird next year not having that, not having those guys, not having those staples. Now, you certainly still have players to cling to. You got Goldie. Arenado, Contreras has got four more years left on his deal. You got young guys. You got a great nucleus, but you don't have your attachment to Cardinal history on this ball club, and that is a, a weird thing. So who is going to emerge as that guy? Who's going to be the one that we cling to? Maybe it's one of the obvious ones. Maybe it ends up being a young guy. But what a special, surreal weekend it was. For a team that ended up 20 games under 500. the place was packed. There was so much love and so much fun and just so many good times over the final weekend that I'll never forget them. So I say we end this first offseason podcast with those good vibes, those good thoughts, a send-off to Adam Wainwright, number 50. Again, we will not see something like that again. So amazing, the career of Adam Wainwright with the birds on the bat. We have so much stuff to get into this offseason. Uh, I mentioned some of it earlier. We'll talk about uh, are there any changes that we expect coming in the future when it comes to the coaching staff. Ollie Marmel has already been given the green light for next season. How do you feel about that? We'll get into some of the young guys. What steps did they make and take forward in 2023? What do we expect from them next year? We'll get into individual players and break each and every one of them down as we go through this offseason. We'll talk about all of the free agents that are out there. We'll probably talk about the postseason. Are there some Cardinals doing some things? You know, doing a little bit of research real quick before the postseason. I saw a number. I knew that Randy Rosarena was good in the postseason. I don't know if you've heard of him. But uh, I saw a number when it comes to OPS. This was leading into game one that they had against the Rangers that the leader in OPS in the postseason with a career 100 at-bats, at least 100 at-bats, number one, Lou Gehrig. 
Number two, Babe Ruth. Number three, Randy Rosarena. Pretty incredible, some of the October moments that that dude has put up. So maybe we'll talk about some Cardinals that are still in the postseason or Cardinal attachments that are in the postseason. We'll talk about some of the free agents that the Cardinals maybe traded off that might try to bring back. I think that there's a couple of guys I've got at least top of mind with that. But so much for us to get into this offseason when it comes to the Redbird Report. I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you being a fan throughout the entire season. I know, I know that this was not an easy one. Cardinal fans, you are expecting far more. I promise you the organization is expecting far more, but it is going to be time for them this offseason to show out because a big year for the front office, big year for ownership when it comes to going out and acquiring the right players. But we'll break it all down. It's the Redbird Report. I'm Brad Thompson. This is all brought to you by 101 ESPN. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Redbird Report podcast with Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN. Driven by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Check out every episode at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app.